In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Knackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. Here on Notably Disney, I have often covered music found within Disney's theme park destinations, though rarely have I ventured onto Disney Cruise Line. While you may recall episodes featuring interviews with the songwriters of the now-defunct Toy Story the Musical, there has yet to be a thorough exploration of the music found aboard Disney Cruise Line across its multitude of venues and experiences here on the podcast. So, therefore, today on Notably Disney, I bring on podcaster Steve Creasy, host of the DCL podcast, as we discuss music aboard Disney's fleet of ships, from the stage shows and lounges to the pool deck and more. Let's examine it now. Well, it is time for a deep dive, no pun intended, into Disney Cruise Line's music with Steve Creasy of the DCL podcast, and we'll be covering some background about Steve's podcast and his DCL experiences before getting right into talking about the stage shows, live musicians and performers, other live entertainment, background music, and there's a lot of it. Uh, and much more associated with Disney Cruise Line. So uh, I've been on the DCL podcast many a time. I always enjoyed it, always glad to talk with Steve. And now it's a pleasure to welcome you to Notably Disney, Steve. Well, thanks so much for having me on, Brett. It's been fun following your show. I really appreciate the music and especially I'm a big reader, so I enjoy the book uh, topics and the authors that you've had on. So it's been fun to watch you build and grow your podcast as well, Brett. Thank you. Well, I remember uh, turning to you in the early days of when I was kind of conceiving my podcast and seeking some advice. And here we are three years later, and a lot has unfolded in the world of Disney. And and certainly there's a lot to discuss uh, with Disney Cruise Line. But I first want to orient listeners to the DCL podcast, which is where you are known in the Disney community. Can you talk a little bit about your experiences with Disney Cruise Line over the years and ultimately what people can find if they check out the DCL podcast. 
Yeah. So we actually went on our first cruise in 2014 on the Disney Wonder. And it was about that time that I kind of really, probably a year before that, I really got into podcasts or listening to different podcasts and finding all the different Disney podcasts that were out there. And I just decided there was, there was kind of room for a Disney cruise line type podcast. We fell in love with the product, just had a great first cruise with my whole family and my parents on the wonder up to Alaska. And so kind of took the deep dive into trying to start a podcast. I had no idea where it was going to go or what it was going to, what it was really going to be about. I had a couple of different ideas. I thought we'd do a lot more history behind the cruise line. Obviously it's, it's a, it's a newer part of the Disney company. So not quite as much history as like a Walt Disney world or Disneyland, or especially into uh, the, the film part of the, the company, but um, it ended, it's really kind of ended up being sort of a trip report, almost a podcast where we, uh, we've been able, we've been lucky to have so many different guests come on and talk about their different experiences with Disney Cruise Line. And so we've kind of turned our focus for, or I've turned the focus kind of from history to more like helping people plan and maybe sail a little bit better just through all our kind of collective experience. And along the way, Christy, who's a travel agent, she and her family have since moved to Florida. And then Chris down in Los Angeles has joined our, our cast of, of three, I guess. And now we've actually added another one, Steve, down in Tampa, kind of helps us out with the news once a month. But yeah, that's kind of the focus of our podcast is just helping people learn through others' experiences and how to cruise a little bit better with Disney Cruise Line. Well, and I must say you all were all were very adept in pivoting during these pandemic times, especially when there was a, an absence of active sailings and, and finding ways to keep folks engaged and excited about uh, Disney Cruise Line covering some of those DCL 101 episodes and, and people sharing their past trip reports. So you've really all had to be very nimble um, in terms of the programming during the past two years as well. Yeah, we've even done camping trips from people that <laughs> we covered a camping trip. But yeah, I just I think and I'm sure you found it with your podcast too, Brad. Just I think people liked having, you know, that kind of hey, I, I'm kind of I don't want to say normal because I think that word's kind of I think we're probably all tired of that word a little bit in some ways, but kind of having an escape from some of the realities that we're going through and kind of going back to a familiar place. And so so many people really enjoy cruising and traveling with Disney Cruise Line. I think it kind of helped a lot of people. We got a lot of good feedback on that. They kind of kept, kept them going until the ship started sailing again. So let me ask you, Steve, I know you've, you've produced more than 250 episodes over the years and have covered a wide variety of topics. Is there anything singularly with Disney Cruise Line that you most appreciate or most value? I think, well, we're going to talk about music. I think in all honesty, it's one of the funny things that, that I think people talk about is like when they, the visceral experiences of when they think back of their experiences traveling with Disney Cruise Line, that's always one of the things that, that resonates with people. I think it's the same, like when you go to the parks, it kind of gives you that kind of familiarity and it, it gives you a warm feeling. There's also the smell. I, I remember talking to a couple of people before they went back on board the ship before we even had, when they started sailing again, they, and one of our first guests talked about getting back on board and smelling that smell of what a ship smells like, or what the Disney cruise line ship smells like. But, uh, you know, for me, it's really just the multifaceted travel 
part of the cruising world where as a family, you can go there and come together and experiencing things together, but then also, uh, you know, spend time apart. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but, uh, you know, being able to do the things that you want to do. And I think Disney does that so well for so many different ages and generations from, you know, younger kids all the way up to, we've seen grandparents traveling either with their families or even by themselves in their seventies and eighties and just enjoying the product. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, that is a, I think, a distinct element. You know, all the cruise lines have spaces for uh, children of different level ages and 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 certain tastes. But that is something that I think Disney is particularly uh, facile in is just being able to find ways of of bringing people together in some spaces that are very Disney centered and others that are more uh, surrounding a common theme. And we'll certainly talk about that based on musical venues. Um, when you said smells, for me, the first thing that comes to mind is when I'm walking uh, the walking deck and sometimes smelling the fish and some of those uh, stinky smells, but there are some pleasant ones on board too, like some desserts, but hey, that's what comes to mind for me at least. <laughs> yeah, the desserts are amazing. So always one of our favorite parts too. See, I just, I, you know, we just need to find an opportunity to, to blend music and dessert. And I know there we will have some things to discuss as it pertains to music in the restaurants, but we're going to cover a few different general topics. Uh, first of which is the stage shows. And specifically, we're thinking about the Walt Disney Theater, which is the premium venue on Disney Cruise Line that shows um, these Broadway style productions, uh, oftentimes other uh, live uh, music acts and their guest performers on board, um, showing movies at times and, and a wide variety of different offerings. But uh, and I and I really appreciate and I would encourage listeners to check out the DCL podcast because there have been some episodes uh, that have focused uh, more in depth about the stage shows. But uh, with in your experiences, Steve, do you have? Uh, and we'll talk about just a handful of the different stage shows that are currently operating and, and even some past ones. But do, would you say there's a standout production um, in the Walt Disney Theater for you? I think I'm going to go with Beauty and the Beast, which is the latest one that they've produced. That one is right now airing on the Disney Dream. I think the... Uh, and what, and what they do with... The, they do a really good job of... I haven't seen... Actually, I haven't seen all of... I've never saw... I, I take that back. I've seen all of them as far as, as far as cartoons, but, and now, you know, coming with the live action, you know, most of them, most of them are anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours, but what Disney Cruise Line does so well is they condense it down into an hour and they still tell that show very well with uh, sometimes new music. Beauty and the Beast has a, a different song from, it's now based on the live action. And so they've, they've added a different song based on or versus the cartoon, um, but I, I think it's going to be Beauty and the Beast because just between the music and then the theaters on board the ships are just amazing with the different tech that they, they can employ. It, with Beauty and the Beast, they take you to all the different scenes and they do it rapidly by using the, uh, the am I saying this right, picture projections that they, people that sure. have been to the parks that are used to at the castle. And it's so clear and so distinct that it really feels like you're in like a like um a country house or something like that in, in the middle of france uh, just that the video alone it doesn't feel like a video at all so between uh the the, the character development the music the scenery i think beauty and beast is the one that does it the best for me right now i'm jealous i haven't the the dream is the one ship out of the four currently operating that i haven't been on so i have not seen it 
um, but I hear such positive um, things about it, yourself included. Um, I remember the projection, the kind of the projection mapping that you're discussing was also uh, employed with the Frozen production, if I remember correctly. So I think that's definitely a direction Disney is utilizing across a variety of different spaces to produce that sense of immersion. Right, right. Yeah, it's definitely in that. And I, I would say Frozen and Tangled are probably the, the 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 next two that I think are in a lot of people's, you know, bucket list as far as their favorites. But uh, I think I go with Beauty and Beast, Tangled and Frozen would be the next two. And then Aladdin, not, not that there's anything wrong with it. Aladdin's still funny. I love the genie, but that's kind of the way I would rank them right now. Yeah, well, and I just remember in the days of the Hyperion Theater at California Adventure that the Aladdin production there was fantastic. And then seeing it on Disney Cruise Line, it just felt, mind you, it's a smaller stage and venue, but it, it didn't feel quite as grand or spectacular. Um, and, and I think just there was a greater sense of uh, versatility with the genie who they, who they had at California Adventure in terms of being much more... Um, I don't know on like on the fly like on the fly and just constantly coming up with very relevant pop culture jokes it felt a little bit more subdued on the ship but i think that also might be just with every experience depending on who's who's in the that main role definitely and it, it's pretty it was always pretty amazing when they had the carpet actually fly over the audience in the hyperion theater as well so can't quite do that on a ship right no. <laughs> not when it's moving at sea it makes it a little bit harder for the actors <laughs> I must say, though, I, it took me years to see it. I recently saw Aladdin on Broadway um, for the very first time, and they actually used drones to elevate the carpet on the stage there. And it's a magnificent effect that took years to perfect. And it's one of the more stunning uh, visuals I've seen in, in a Disney production. Oh, that would be amazing to see. I've never seen, I saw Frozen on Broadway, but I never saw Aladdin. Frozen was a good show. Uh, yeah, I want to, I want to throw it out. The, you know, the one I'm most excited about is The Wish. The Disney Wish is their newest ship, which is going to be coming out this summer. They just announced that they're going to have, why can't I say Ariel? Ah, Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Yes. They're going to have, they're going to have a, a, a live action or a stage production of the Little Mermaid, which I've never actually seen the cartoon. I love the music from that. Really? Yeah. From that show. And I'm super excited to be able to see that we've got a sailing set up for the wish next summer. So I cannot wait to see that. Okay. You're lucky that I won't ban you from the podcast for never seeing the Little Mermaid, but <laughs> no, that's great. It's interesting timing too. If you think about it, that they're that they're premiering a Little Mermaid show a year before the new live at action adaptation. So uh, it'd be cool if it incorporated elements of that, but no way that's going to happen a year out. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, yeah, to compare the two when it's when it's done. So Yeah, so you have to watch the animated version in the next year then, Steve. It is, it is on my bucket list. Well, not a bucket list. It's on my list to do before we get on board the ship because I, it's, it's something that's it's a long time been coming. There you go. What's, you know, you pointed out with the, the productions often being just under an hour long and, and what is nice about that. And that's what I think is important for listeners to realize when you're seeing a stage show on board, one of the Disney ships, it is lengthier than what you would find in the theme parks, right? For the most part. So beating the beast live on stage at, at Disney's Hollywood studios is just about 25 minutes. Whereas if you're seeing the adaptation on the Disney dream, more than double that so definitely a couple of things to note if you're going to be sailing with disney cruise line right now with the the covid type of protocols they are limiting 
a seating capacity in the theaters. So uh, for the most part, uh, the, it hasn't been a hard time for most people to be able to get uh, into the theater whatsoever. But if you're looking for that, that front row seating or something like that, make sure you go and, and get down there early. Yeah, that's good advice um, in any time. And also the notion of uh, not holding uh, seats for 10 people, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't exactly. want to be that person. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, we, we were talking about, Steve, that a number of the uh, shows on board reflect specific musicals within the world of Disney. So those ten poles, Beauty and the Beast, Frozen, Tangled, Aladdin, eventually Little Mermaid. But there are also what do you want to call them, compilation shows um, that uh, you can find on each of the ships. There's Disney Dreams, an enchanted classic on the magic and wonder. Golden Mickey's on the wonder and dream. Believe on the dream and fantasy. Um, so these are often, they follow some sort of narrative, um, but really it's an opportunity to showcase little snippets from various Disney films. Uh, what are your thoughts on on these shows? They have um, long been in in the in the world of Disney Cruise Line, um, and and often across different ships as as the fleet has uh, moved forward. But um, are there are there elements of these productions that stand out to you as strong as needing improvement? I, I get. I guess, uh, you know, the, the person that really should be on your show is Chris from our, our podcast because he's so good and he's so versed with the theater and music. Um, but I'll do my best here. And also I'm going to incorporate some of the, his thoughts. But, you know, these these productions are really a, a chance, as you said, for them to showcase some of the music, the classic songs that that is in part of the Disney canon so that you can go and enjoy that. And they make a, a loose story about something to kind of be able to do that. But the story it's, it's the stories itself uh, i think disney dreams is okay disney believe i think is one that that has resonated with some people as far as that's the one where uh, it's it's a daughter whose dad doesn't have time for her and and he learns through uh through the, the genie to be able to kind of you know take better steps in his life to spend time with his daughter and everything like that so it's kind of a loose story but in, and then around that they they put the music, but I will say that the musical numbers are just amazing. Uh, they're in Disney's dreams, Disney dreams there, they do uh, a song from the lion King, the opening number from the, the lion King movie, which is just incredible. And I've seen that twice. And that, that opening, the opening uh, sounds and words from that, it just puts a chill up your spine and it, that show. Circle in and of of life, yeah. Yeah. Circle of life just in and of itself, just for that song is worth going to see. Disney's Believe, I actually like that one a little bit better. That's the one where the daughter is is looking for dad's attention. And just because it 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 has more, it goes back to some older songs. So they had Step in Time from uh, Mary Poppins. And then they also had a couple of songs from the Jungle Book as well in it. So whereas uh, Disney, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time with this. Disney Dreams is kind of like Little Mermaid forward. Uh, Disney's Believes kind of goes back a little bit. So I kind of enjoyed that one a little bit better. But I think they're, as far as the music goes, it's just amazing. The the the, the singing and the productions, it, it really puts, puts you in a good mood when you leave the theater. Yeah, and I think generally Disney's really intentional in, in enlisting really talented singers. Um, I think that's often a, a strength. And, and I think that becomes even more important because there's not a live orchestra. It's not like seeing a Broadway show. They don't have a, a full orchestra. So it is that kind of, you know, 
it, it's obviously it's beautiful to hear these sounds, but it's not live. So that's where you really are relying on strong, compelling voices and, and good actors, of course, uh, providing them to provide that sense of scene and, and emotion, really. Yeah, if I could tell you a quick story. So in the dream, we actually went to Dizzy's Believe and we, uh, you could tell something was going on because there was like so many cast members from their other productions that were in the theater that night. And after every song, they got up and just gave him a standing ovation. And it was a great show, but like, it was just like uh, above and over the top. And as the show ended, as we were walking out, one of the cast members told us that that was the last show that that cast was going to perform before the new one took over. And they had been together for six months practicing before the ships actually started sailing again. So it was a, it was over a year and a half that they were together working on that show and then performing it as well for just six months on the ship. So it kind of goes to show how much uh, practice and how much they put into producing each one of these shows. And it was just kind of a memorable moment to think of, you know, that that was their last, you know, show together and we were able to see it. I like how you mentioned that too, because I think it, reminds our listeners and anybody who sails on Disney Cruise Line to remember that these folks are performing a variety of shows over the course, whether it's a three-night voyage or five or seven nights, however long, and they're and they're basically engaging in this in rotation. So it could be like a week between performing uh, Disney's Believe, for instance, or whatever the performance may be. And they're often doing two or three showings of this each day. So it's a it's a lot on their plate, really. It's a lot, definitely a lot. We just did a, a show with uh, Jordan Caswell, who's a violinist on board, and and he did a he really talked a lot about how much it takes out of you know being a hundred. He he didn't even want to be a hundred percent. He wanted to be hundred and ten percent for every one of his shows, and how much each one of these uh, performers put into it. So it's definitely they're putting their heart and soul into each one of these productions. Absolutely, and there's um, you know, there, there have been some great shows that are no longer in existence. Um, and thankfully that's what YouTube is for. So to, to experience them, uh, in a different way. So there was Disney wishes, Hercules, the musical toy story, the musical villains tonight. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see as time proceeds, if any of the really beloved shows now, if they, if they meet their end, but ultimately, uh, that's what, that's what Disney's all about. It's not going to stay static. Um, really, some you know, these, some of these shows that have been around for two decades, hard to believe, but um, there's always something new, like The Little Mermaid or Seize the Adventure on the right. Wish. Yeah, so, with uh, Goofy and Captain Minnie. So, yeah. <laughs> and that'll be another compilation type show with yeah. uh, Princess and the Frog and uh, Finding Nemo the Musical, I, I understand, will have representation there too. So, yeah. Yeah, so looking forward to that. But yeah, another one of the compilations like Dizzy's Believe. So, yeah, so there's um, definitely a lot for people to appreciate if they enjoy Disney music um, on board. But let's shift over. And you mentioned Jordan Caswell, and this is a perfect segue to talking about that there are a number of live musicians across various venues on the Disney ships. You might have someone just known for their piano skills or playing the guitar um, or even. Um, some other stringed instruments, uh, sometimes a group um, and or or a duo. And what I love about Disney Cruise Line is that they really use this as a space to uh, elevate talent. Like they're very intentional in, in terms of bringing aboard up and coming performers as well as legends. Uh, and 
and sometimes these folks are, are versatile and in that they are sometimes singers and comedians or they're musicians, but they're also masterful st storytellers. And the venues that they perform in are often uh, really reflective of their skill sets. So if you go to Keys, you're probably gonna hear a great pianist in there, uh, which is right on point. Um, other times, some of the performers shift around to different spaces. But when you think about live, what, what words or emotions come to mind, Steve, when you think about the aspect of sailing aboard a Disney cruise uh, ship and, and experiencing uh, a live musician? Any words or emotions come to mind there? In some ways, it's uh, happiness, I guess. Um, you know, some of the fun music that you get to hear different, you know, it's not all Disney music. Sometimes it's, you know, compilations from Broadway. Sometimes it's compilations from different periods in time. Jordan Caswell that we just interviewed, he has a whole set where he covers Taylor Swift, which was just a hit with so many different people. It was super fun to watch that. And, and, and then once he played that, it brought people to some of his other shows that he did. So I think I think a sense of happiness, a sense of uh, maybe warmth, Keys and the Cadillac Lounge are probably my two favorite places to see live music. Those are both on the older ships. It, it really lends itself to kind of an intimate atmosphere where you can really, you know, listen to the performer. And a lot of times they'll, you know, depending upon uh, what your musical interest is and what they're playing that day, they'll, they'll even take, they'll look for feedback from the audience and say, Hey, what do you guys want to hear? And they'll generally work that into their set as well. So um, I, I guess happiness and warmth, those are going to be my, my, my two words for you. There was no wrong answer there. Let me tell you, but you know, when you're talking about just the notion of these performers' versatility and how they, many of them are like songbooks. Like you're saying, you, you tell them uh, an artist or, or specific tune and, and many are, are adept to know that offhand or, or to draw from that very quickly, which is uh, a real testament to the quality of people they bring on board. In the last sailing that we were on the Wonder, so the Wonder has Cadillac Lounge, so it's, it's kind of a cool space where it's all done up sort of like with the, the, the Cadillac theme of cars, which I know that sounds kind of maybe a little bit odd, but it really works well in, in the theming with the music, and they had a wonderful pianist on board, and she was doing... 1950s Broadway and there was a, an older couple and they had gone to all those different shows and they were after she got into about three or four songs uh, they started throwing out you know like they were trying they were trying to challenge her to see if they could find something that she couldn't play and, and and she she was able to play all of them everything that they brought to the table so it was kind of a fun evening you know listening to music that I'm not really familiar with but just beautiful music and then just seeing kind of the interaction between her and the guests. So you're touching on two th things here that I would love for us to talk about a little bit, which is one, that engagement between the guests and the performers, which feels always very uh, present, especially in those intimate spaces where at times it might only be, you know, five or 10 people, but also just that notion of exposure to new music through the tunes. Um, that's what's, what really resonates with me whenever I travel on Disney Cruise Line is having that, building that relationship with the performers through consistently seeing their acts, but also learning some new songs that, that I'm like, okay, I'm going to download this or listen to this once I'm back on shore. 
Oh, definitely with Spotify now, which my son got me into, I, I find myself coming back and it's amazing the different music that you can find. And a lot of times the artists themselves, you can find them uh, even on Spotify or YouTube or whatnot. I know there was a, there was, a, I was searching for this couple's name and I couldn't find it. But when we did our Mediterranean cruise, there was a, a man and a woman, a couple from Ireland, and they just did some amazing performances outside of, um, Lumiere's, which is the kind of the French themed restaurant. It's the main lobby. Whereas you're coming to dinner for those eating in Lumiere's, a lot of times they'll have entertainers out there in, in the evenings as you're walking in. And, and uh, it, it, to your, to your point, and I'm going to go a little sideways now to your point, Brett, yeah, go what, for it. what's, what's neat is just that they perform night after night. And so you can find those moments where on a five or six day cruise, or even a three day cruise where you show up the first night and really get to see how they see their performance. And you go back night after night and the entertainers see you. And that's what makes the interaction. And not just, not just with the entertainers, but with the cast, with the kids clubs and everything else. I think that's what really can make a cruise even that much more special is you have that, that connection, that, that um, interaction with somebody and, and it really enhances your experiences while you're on board. So, you know, it makes me think when you're talking about that, you know, those one-on-one interactions making such a big difference. One of your recent episodes that I listened to, um, I think it was involving those preteen girls and, and how one of the strongest uh, elements or, or the strongest element of their cruise experience was the engagement with the cast members more than anything they saw or, or experienced like with the parties or the pools or whatever. It was the cast member engagement, which is so, so individualized and so special in any diff- Disney space, but particularly on Disney Cruise Line because of just that intimacy and the level of, you know, uh, guest interaction, the frequency of it too. Right. Where you may see somebody one time in a park or something like that here, you're on the ship with them for five days and you may see them, you know, walking around deck four and, you know, have a talk with them down there and, th- and then see them that evening. I, I know that Jordan talked about that, you know, running into people along the way during his cruise where he would talk to him either whether they were on Castaway Key. I'm not sure that I don't think I had that in the, we didn't have that in the show, but where he'd actually talked about people on Castaway Key and then they came to a show that night. And so as a, as a guest, I think that that really enhances your experiences to be able to really enjoy yourself on board. Absolutely. And uh, in, in thinking about your experiences on Disney Cruise Line and or uh, interviewing some of these folks via the DCL podcast, is there a specific style of music or type of performance um, in this space of live music that really sticks with you? I don't know if there's really a style. I, I'm a, I, I love all different types of music. And so what I think is neat is when you find something that you don't think that you're going to be excited about. Like I, I know Taylor Swift songs, but I'm not, I can't tell you a ton of her, her different songs or anything like that. But what is fun is just being able to see that performed live. And sometimes to me, it's not just even my experience it's watching the the other guests who you're with and seeing how they're enjoying it. Because as I hate to keep going back to Jordan, but as Jordan was playing his set, there was three little girls that were up there dancing and he was interacting with them and kind of, you know, playing, you know, making the music work for them so that they could continue to dance up in front and be part of uh, his show. And it, to me, that was just as much fun uh, to see their interactions and his interaction with them as it was just the music itself. Absolutely. Are there, are there, and, and don't feel bad if, if you can't think of the specific names, but are there 
examples of particular performers or groups that you've seen aboard multiple times over your cruise line experiences? We've seen buckets and boards several times, and I think they're a lot of fun to watch as well. And and what makes it neat, I think, is you get the big theater where, you know, you're going to be able to see the bigger shows with the music through the through the different um, productions that Disney puts on. But then they also some of these entertainers perform up in the uh, the big theater itself. So it's kind of not quite as intimate as before. But then a lot of times in the evenings, they'll come down to the adult spaces where you can see their perform. And so they'll they'll be a little bit edgier. But also because, as you said, sometimes there's five people, sometimes there's 20, sometimes there's 50 people down there. You can it, it, it lends itself to kind of a uh, an experience where they're interacting with you. They want your interaction with them so that they can kind of, uh, you know, take their show to another level, I guess, if that makes any sense. And Buckets and Boards is kind of a co- comic sort of musical uh duo that where they they play different types of like drumming and and sometimes they play the guitar and the ukulele as well and they've got they throw comedy in between it and so i think they're kind of one of those fun groups to have on board where you can see their big show in the theater but then come down and have some fun with them in the evening yeah and you know i i was thinking too like um similarly there's a band called junk which uh, relies on uh on just random ordinary objects much in the same way as stomp for for creating really cool music and and that's what's neat i think for guests to be exposed to different ways in which music can come through it's not always just traditional instruments it's sometimes uh, manipulating objects in distinct ways oh definitely so i'm trying to think you know and I feel bad because I don't have the names of a lot of them, but the other ones that really resonate with me are generally in the in the evenings we kind of talked about as you walk into, they always have them set up in the main lobbies of the ships where they'll they'll be playing during, well, an hour prior to the dinner taking place, they okay. have pictures set up. So they'll have music in the background playing all different things from Disney songs to, you know, top songs of today to uh, show tunes and everything else. And a lot of times those are some of the, the most amazing entertainers I think we've seen as well, because just their musical style, their, um, and a lot of times they'll perform in other different parts of the ship too. So they'll, they'll come down to keys or po- possibly down to the Cadillac lounge or um, the district on the dream or La Piazza on the fantasy, which is kind of the, the, the smaller venue where musical acts can perform, but I always kind of enjoy them as well. Yeah, and I do want to touch on setting for a bit. So I think that was another just very natural transition. What makes these uh, performers just wonderful to watch and listen to is not only just the quality of their sound and cleverness and and personalities, but also just the ambiance, the spaces in which they're in. And you talked about uh, a few of them um, just now, but um, what are your thoughts on, on just how Disney creates spaces for these performers. Uh, Some of these uh, environments take uh, inspiration from different European destinations, others um, that are related to just just unique atmospheres related to color in the case of like a a pink, but um, any any thoughts on, on that front in terms of spaces for performers? Oh, I, um, I I really enjoy the the spaces at the older ships. To be completely honest, the Keys and the Cadillac Lounge, uh, 
the, the only downside to it is you get it. Sometimes if I, at the, I see people look in there and they, I feel like they're a little bit intimidated to go into it or something like that for some reason. And they kind of walk on by, but those, those, the, and the only reason why I enjoy those a little bit more than La Piazza and the, the district on the fantasy and the dream is just because they're kind of a distinct space of its own where you could go in there and listen to the performer, have a, have a good drink or, or, and just kind of relax as the evening goes on. Whereas the only downside I see to La Piazza in the district is it's kind of a cut through. So people are always kind of going back and forth. So they, they do have the space set out so you can actually sit there and enjoy the, the musician or, or whoever's performing, but there's, it's also a walkway too. So people are always kind of co- going back and forth and stuff like that. So eh, I'm not going to say it takes away from it totally, but it's just, it's a, it adds a little difference to the, the atmosphere itself. But I think they do a really good job as far as the theming and making you feel like you're almost in a different place, like La Piazza. You, you feel like they've got like a little scooter there. You feel like you're in Italy. They've got kind of the the feel of uh, Florence, I think, is what they're kind of going for in La Piazza, and and kind of the different masks and everything else that are there. So you kind of feel like you're you're in Italy. The district is kind of a a night lounge. Keys is sort of kind of a night lounge feel, and then Cadillac. Obviously, it's got the car theming, which. I actually kind of enjoy that. It's got it's got like the back end of the cars with the tail lights sticking out and everything like that. So um, I think it's kind of a fun place, but a classic classical place to watch uh, music. Yeah, I, I also really fancy O'Gill's uh, with you know the Irish pub style. Like you know that's it's not like that's anything unique per se but what's cool is there's often references like there was a ref there are references to like Darby O'Gill and the little people and different um you know Irish connections there and um it's a little bit different if you go on the magic versus the fantasy um because the magic one was converted from a, a different venue but nonetheless uh it's a uh, it's a chance to kind of escape and, and sometimes there are performers to to match the setting you know, I'll throw a different venue out there. We even talked about, but a lot of times on the the older ships too, up by the Signals Bar, which is kind of the adult quiet cove, adult pool area. In the afternoons, they'll have somebody come out like with a guitar and play, kind of sometimes Fado style from from Portugal. They were playing that when we were over in the Mediterranean. To when we went down to Mexico, not this last cruise, but uh, the cruise before, they were kind of playing kind of uh, Central American type of. Uh, I'm not sure the right word for it, but um, that you know, like kind of that the Mexican style of guitar um Mm -hmm. classical guitar kind of songs and everything like that and that was kind of a neat place too to be outside uh you watch you're watching the water go by the sun starting to set as the uh as you're getting ready for dinner and they've got uh, entertainers out there as well playing guitar so that that was kind of a neat venue as well yeah well and what i think what you're communicating too is that it's not only during like nighttime in which you can hear live music it really is dispersed throughout the day and that's one of the beauties of, you know, going on really any cruise, but even with Disney Cruise Line is that you'll hear, you can hear multiple sets during the day and in different spaces. So it adds, it adds variety um, for, for the guest. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, let's also just touch on that. There's other live entertainment on board uh, a Disney Cruise Line experience. You have uh, and mind you, it's obviously looked different during these pandemic times, but there's usually a welcome aboard show of some sort um, and uh, a chance to see the characters. There's the pre-recorded music and live dancing, but it's a chance to get everybody in the mood. There's music nights often in the adult lounges where it might be centered around a particular decade. And that's where you're relying on the crew staff to elevate the energy 
Um, there's uh, on special occasions, you might find dancing lessons. Uh, I did that on the transatlantic, uh, not, not very well, but nonetheless. Uh, and then you, you have uh, events like Pirates Night and um, during different uh, holidays, uh, whether it be Halloween or Christmas, there's other live entertainment. Um, so just hoping we can just highlight that there are distinct uh, experiences that are perhaps not always uh, a given on a Disney Cruise Line experience, uh, but ultimately add to that sense of uh, musical richness. Oh, definitely. During, you know, one of the fun ones that we got to experience was we did a Very Merry Cruise and they had carolers actually walking around the deck uh, up on the pool deck in the, in the afternoon uh, one day. So that kind of really kind of set the, the tone there. Unfortunately, like the big deck parties are not having them right now just because of uh, you know, trying to keep people social distance a little bit better on the ship. So we're not having quite as many, although they still did have a dance party for Halloween. So there was kind of a, an evening dance party there, up there where, like you said, they showcase the characters come out in their Halloween costumes and have a very loose story. I'm not even sure if the, the loose story is right, the right way to say it, but they got up there and dance a little bit. It was a fun time for the kids to be able to, to really, uh, kind of move around and the younger kids to really move around and, and jump around with the characters. And, you know, the other one is, is fireworks. They have fireworks at sea, which they yes. usually have once per sailing. And in the past, it was all centered around um, pirate night. And so you kind of had the music from the pirate franchise, Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. And that was kind of the music thing, but now they're kind of gone back to classical Disney. So they're playing much more um, the classical Disney songs as the fireworks go off. And for us on the very merry time cruise, they had Christmas music, which was, which was a lot of fun. And then afterwards they had just a quick dance party there for about 15 or 20 minutes where the, the entertainment staff got up there and they were playing kind of some upbeat Christmas music and families were able to hang out with their kids and dance on the deck underneath the stars. So uh, another aspect of music on board the ships. Yeah. It brings new meaning to duck the halls. I imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice pun. I like that. <laughs> hey, I can do it all night. Um, <laughs> Steve, is there any, you, you know, you're talking about going on a, a maritime cruise. Are there like other really unique Certainly that's, that happens every season, of course, but are there any like really unique live entertainment acts that you've only maybe seen once on a special type of cruise that stands out? Uh, no, for the most part, they still kind of run the cruise the same way. They just add touches here and there, like with the carolers walking around um, the one day they had that. Um, and, and then the music, which we haven't really talked about, the music, which is always constantly coming on the background of the ship, uh, in that aspect, it changed to um, Christmas music or holiday music, the whole cruise versus some of the, the, the normal Disney background music that they play. Well, how did you know that was the next topic, the, music, <laughs> the background music on the ship? <laughs> it's almost like I gave you an agenda. You um, did. <laughs> Well, that is one of the elements of Disney Cruise Line that I absolutely love is that you're completely enveloped in music, um, no matter where you are. Um, I mean, not always. I mean, there are a few spaces where you won't hear any form of music, but for the most part, you're right, in the hallways, in restaurants, um, in uh, in the shops, most, most spaces, you, you're hearing some music, and it's often befitting of the environment. So in 
cabanas, the uh, buffet space, you will often hear uh, Caribbean themed music. And if you ever wanted to hear Margaritaville on repeat, well, that's the place to be. Um, but so there's, as we're touching on, there's always stuff to, to kind of take in and soak in. Um, in the hallways, there's often a mix of instrumental Disney tunes as well as uh, classic songs. During Pirate Night, the, it's more swashbuckling in nature. Um, what, what does it feel like for you when you're walking across the ship and, and you're taking in so many different flavors of, of music? I, that's the thing that I missed the most in all honesty. It was the thing that kind of brought it. I get to admit a little tear to my eyes to be able to walk in. That's one of my favorite things to do. And they do a really good job kind of like when you think when you move from land to land in the different parks, if you experience that where the music will change and they do that actually on the ships as well as you move from the adult spaces where the music is not, you know, kind of the, the classic Disney, it's more kind of adult theme based on whatever the nights, what's going on that night. And then as you move into the hallways, as you move down to D23, which is kind of the lounge for, for families, then you get kind of that classical Disney music. And then as you walk into the hallways where the, the staterooms are, it changes again. And I think they do just, it's, it's amazing how they do that. I don't know how they do it. I mean, I know there's a technical part of it with the speakers and everything like that, but that I think is probably one of the things that I missed the most was being able to kind of be enveloped in that music for a week and, or however many days you're on the ship, because it just kind of sets you back. I think music like smell has a way of bringing back memories of times that maybe you've spent with your families and past vacations and, and it brings those back. And as much as you're enjoying the vacation you're on today, it kind of, you know, to me, it always enhances that vacation to think about like the special moments we've had before and then the memories we're making now. Yeah. You know, that, that reminds me of like when I first sailed with Disney cruise line a decade ago and, you know, entering the, the grand lobby of the magic and not only being, you know, my instant memories meeting some of the crew staff in that space, but also just instantly hearing instrumental versions of Disney tunes and, and not just like be our guest, which you're going to hear all the time, but also like the score for Homeward Bound, Incredible Journey and, and so many like forgotten or not forgotten, but less popular um, pieces of music. So there's also an attentive attentiveness to uh, a wide variety of Disney music. And then what you're saying in the adult spaces that you're hearing just, um, you know, classical instrumental pieces or like, you know, thinking of, of um, some, some of the adult spaces on the fantasy where there's more of like a Mediterranean Spanish vibe and, and you, you'll hear that nice, you know, bossa nova or, or really great guitar music. So that's what's so lovely and, and being a part of the Disney Cruise Line experience. And they even take it, what was one of our, one of my favorite, I think, moments too, is when we did our Mediterranean cruise, we started off in Rome. So we went from Italy to France to Spain. And as you moved from the different countries, they changed the music. And That's so, right. Yes. Yeah. So not only were they playing music, you know, sometimes not even Disney music, but, you know, either operatic or, or classical type music that was representative of that country, but they would also be playing Disney music. And when there was words into it, it was being sung in that language, whether it was Italian, French, or Spanish. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I almost forgot about that. Cause that was true with my, my, Medi uh, excuse me, not Mediterranean, my transatlantic cruise where we went through Spain, where that was very prominent. Like one, um, what instantly comes to mind too, is like, uh, in like, starting out uh, getting breakfast at the buffet and there's 
you know, that influence of, of Spanish music. And you're right, you'll hear that across the ship. So, yeah, I think that was probably one of my favorite things. So, that, they, and they changed the food with it too. So, like, they'll always have a little bit of food that's representative of that country. But then also the music kind of goes with you and it kind of really keeps you in that mood. Absolutely. And, and one other space I want us to attend to as it pertains to music and spaces is in the restaurants. Um, and Disney, as you well know, and some of our listeners might know, that some of the restaurants have really enhanced their level of not only music, but live music in those spaces. So going to Tiana's and having that New Orleans jazz band or Rapunzel's Royal Table, um, and you'll have, a, you'll have some uh, tangled tunes uh, mixed in there as well. That's a direction that Disney Cruise Line is really shifting in and really trying to embrace that Disney uh, dinner theater notion, um, but also just uh, music reflective of the atmosphere. So in, um, you know, an animator's palette, it's often like a, a hodgepodge, but if you're in Tiana's, oh, but you better believe you're going to hear some Princess and the Frog. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I love that type of music too, you know, the kind of the New Orleans jazz type of style. And I think that really does resonate as far as, you know, creating, as you said, kind of dinner theater, but also kind of enhancing that experience. So it's, you're not just going to eat, but you're kind of being told a story sometimes and, and you're watching a show as, as your dinner, your dinner becomes kind of part of the show too. So I think it's just all around just a, a fun evening to, to really something that you don't get at home. Yeah. Well, and, and, the, and the visuals only enhance it too, whether it's the, the, animated pictures coming to life and animators palette or um you know the thugs walking around rapunzel's royal table because you can't say that happens every day <laughs> no no exactly and with the with the wish coming we're going to be we're going to see frozen on board and so look for a lot of songs from arendelle to be you know uh, sprinkled in there amongst the story or the fun that they're gonna they're gonna have with you yeah that was the the, the biggest shock that the newest Disney ship is going to have a frozen restaurant. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people were hoping we were, a lot of us were hoping for um, kind of a Mexican themed and I can't say that the movie eater. Either, oh, yeah. Um, Coco kind of a Coco themed restaurant. I think a lot of people would, were hoping for maybe something like that, but maybe on one of the next ships. I think Moana would also be very fitting given that that's set at sea, but um, maybe that'll be for the, the ship that arrives after the wish. So. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so Steve, before we close out um, talking about this, I'm just going to ask you some quick Disney related questions. Are, are there any other, I guess, reflections you have as it pertains to Disney cruise line and music that you think it's really important for listeners to account for as they're getting ready to book their Disney cruise line trip or, or actually set, sail on one of them, something that they should experience or at least be mindful of? I'm not sure if mindful is the right word, but I, I just, I think be ready for it. I think like the, the feelings that you get out of the parks, those memories that you, as you've been to the parks, if you've been on the cruise line, you're going to, you're going to kind of get the same thing with the, the music throughout the ships. Um, with your journey with Disney Cruise Line. And I think it becomes, for a lot of us, uh, one of the reasons, along with the cast members, that we come back and back and back again is because of the, those visceral memories that you have of being on board and the music that kind of envelopes you. But I, I guess the thing that I would really encourage everybody to do is to, if you can, take on one of the shows, whether it's the main show, whether it's uh, you know Tangled or Aladdin or whatnot, or if it's Disney's uh, Believe, one of those two shows, because I think that that's something that you know we 
can't go to Broadway every time. You know, I don't live in New York. We, we have some shows that come through the Portland area where we live, but it, it's something that is a lot of people, this, this may be the one time of the year that you get to see it. So I really would encourage everybody to um, don't dismiss those shows. And, and I think that the, take your kids, take your kids. It doesn't matter how, how, how big or small they are because everybody else has got their kids with them as well too. And, and I, I see the smiles of uh, little girls and boys as they come out of the theater with the, after seeing a show. And uh, I, I think that's one of those uh, kind of magical things that you can build, kind of build in, introduce your kids to theater and music on board, on board a Disney cruise line ship. So I think that's the thing that I would encourage people the most to do. I think that's very sage advice. And I think that also extends if you are 75 years old, take your 45 year old child. They will still appreciate it as well. Definitely, definitely. Because my parents took me this time because we weren't going to go to the show. I shouldn't even say that. And my mom wanted to go and she's 80. And we went and just had a, just an amazing time watching. Uh, um, sorry, Brett, man. I'm like losing my brain today. Um, watching Beauty and the Beast on the Disney Dream. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to watch it. I just need to find the, the right sailing for the dream. Um, so, Steve, I always close out my episodes by asking guests a series of Disney-related questions, uh, feed our music, and then some books, and then a random one. Um, so, Steve, what Disney soundtrack did you listen to most while growing up? I'm going to date myself then. It was Peter Pan. Peter Pan was my favorite soundtrack back in the day when there was records. Remember, the, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's this like vinyl what is, thing. What's that? I know. What is I need a definition. <laughs> but they had these like vinyl records from all the different movies back in the day. And they had the story in it on one side. And then on the flip side, they would have just the music. And 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 so this the story had the music in, incorporated in it um, in the one side. But on the second side, you had had the music. And I just, uh, you know, you know, you can fly and and all those classic songs from Peter Pan that that was the one that got me there we go that's that's a solid choice what Disney song most recently got stuck in your head oh it's um from Tangled it always sticks in my head it's this and I, I never remember the name of the song but it's when she's singing about the lanterns Oh, I see the light. I see the light. Yeah. And it's probably, I don't know why that's one of my favorite songs, but I, I love that song. And um, it just, I don't know, every, probably every other day, at least a couple times a week, it'll pop into my brain for some reason. Well, I think it's very, maybe because you're thinking of the Tangled musical on Disney Cruise Line. <laughs> maybe it is. I just, they've got the floating lanterns in the restaurant there too, which yeah. makes it, they, they, the servers kind of do a little show with the floating lanterns. I want to give away any more than that. But I, I just think that's kind of a, a neat scene in, in the movie. And it's probably one of my favorite songs. It's a, yeah, it's a great Oscar nominated tune. Should have won the Oscar, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I love Randy Newman, but I did not think We Belong Together from Toy Story 3 was better than I See the Light. But that's, <laughs> that's a rant for another day. Um, third music question for you. What Disney film do you feel has the most underrated music? Oh, man. Um, 
<laughs> Can I go like off the wall too? How about bed knobs and broomsticks? Sure. Why not? Yeah. yeah that's like my brother and I, that was like one of our favorites, favorite musicals, Disney musicals growing up. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't stand the test of time in some ways, as far as like special effects these days compared, but back in the day, it was kind of a really cool movie and they keep talking about possibly bringing it to Broadway and we get excited and then they never do. So <laughs> kind of a random topic or a random pick there for you. Well, but you know, we, we have to still remember we are, we're in the age of not believing, but we may believe that could be a reality. There's <laughs> could happen. <laughs> it could. If Newsies could become a musical on Broadway, anything can happen. Exactly. Okay. A couple book questions for you, Steve. Uh, what is the most recent Disney book that you've read? So it was Bob Iger's Ride of a Lifetime. Um, mm. I know it's been out for a while. I didn't have a chance to read it when it first came out, but as he kind of came into retirement here recently, I finally, I, it's been on my bookshelf. I just hadn't got around to it. I, I love the history of how things happen within the Disney company itself. And I thought that was a really good one to kind of, you know, paint a poignant picture of how things changed from when he took over and the introduction of Marvel, Star Wars, and what he, how he kind of changed the Disney company and how it changed him as well. So that's the, the most recent Disney book. And, and I'm starting to pick up uh, the Claude Coates book as well, too. So that's my next one. Oh, good. Yes. I mean, that's fantastic. What's really nice about Iger's book is he's pretty raw and candid. Like I, I was actually kind of surprised by how much he actually shared that it's not necessarily G-rated either. So uh -huh. um, I felt like he was pretty vulnerable in it. Definitely, definitely. If you could write a Disney book on any topic, what would it be about? Uh, it would be about Disney Cruise Line, in all honesty. Because <laughs> I don't think there's a good, good Disney Cruise Line book, but it would be, there's not enough history about it. Let's be honest. It's just not, it doesn't have the history that, you know, so much other uh, parts of the Disney company have. But what I think it does have and what excites me about the, the cruise line itself is just travel. And if I could do a kind of um, a coffee table book compilation of pictures of where the cruise line has sailed around the world from Europe to the Caribbean, over to Hawaii, down to the Mexican Riviera, up to Alaska. I think that that's something that I wish I could put together for people to enjoy. So maybe just assemble some of the captains and it could be a travel log. I think that would be <laughs> really viable yeah it, that would be that would be cool to get you know to have the pictures and then the cast member stories along with it. It, it that would be something that i would love to be able to try and do well i feel like there i mean there really should be an opportunity next year considering you'll become 25 years old so i really hope they take advantage of that in terms of disney publishing or some other author for that matter yeah they've got a, there are a couple of books out after the Disney magic right. and then the, after the Disney dream. And uh, I think I'm pretty sure they'll put something together for the Disney wish as well. As a matter of fact, Meyer Werft, uh, the company that made the, the dream, the fantasy is making the wish. They've actually put uh, their own books together as far as the production of the ship. So I, I expect to see something like that for the wish as well when it comes out. Hmm. Yeah. I, I have to check those out. I have not heard of those from Meyer Werft. So random question for you, Steve, this one I mix up with every guest. Um, so I'm customizing it for you. What is one Disney film that you would like to see converted into a stage show on Disney Cruise Line? So, so it can't be any of the productions that they've done before, like Hercules or Toy Story or Tangled. I think I, I think I'm going to go with Coco. I think Coco is a 
a film that resonates with a lot of different people. I think the, the you know, bringing a different culture into, I mean, that's what I think Disney Cruise Line is all about, you know, being able to go out and travel and, and see and visit different cultures. So they, you know, bringing that um, Hispanic Mexican culture on, to, on board the ship and, and telling that story. And especially, I mean, what would be perfect for uh, the Halloween on the high seas as well, you know, kind of that, Dallas is I can't I'm the worst with Dallas. Dia de los Muertos. Dia, <laughs> I'm gonna let you say it because I'm I'm like all tongue tied tonight. But um, I'd like to see I'd like to see them do something with Coco, and I mean just some of the most beautiful music that Disney's put out recently as well. You know that also makes me think, Steve, in terms of how we're talking earlier about uh, how sometimes depending on the sailing they bring in music that's reflective of the space. The, the Mexican Riviera cruises, I mean, that seems like almost a, a natural uh, opportunity for them to really leverage the, the music from Coco in, in one, one way or another. So that would be really intriguing to, if that could unfold. Yeah, kind of how they built the Tangled, um, Rapunzel's Royal Table, and then they've got Tangled the Musical on the Magic, they kind of, the synergy that they built along that, I think, you know, bringing Coco on stage and then building a, a restaurant around it as well, I think would... Uh, would go a long way with a lot of people. Absolutely. Well, let's wrap things up. Uh, how can listeners follow your work, uh, in particular the DCL podcast, um, and follow DCL podcast on social media too? Yeah. So you can find us uh, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to uh, this podcast. You can listen to our podcast probably as well. Um, once again, it's the DCL podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at DCL podcast, Instagram at DCL underscore podcast. And I'm also on Twitter a little bit, although I've kind of been backing off of that a little bit, but uh, I think the best two places to follow us are on Facebook or Instagram. And then of course, uh, if you want to know a little bit more about Disney Cruise Line, if you've sailed on a Disney Cruise recently and want to come on and talk with this Disney Cruise Line with, with us, we'd love to have you. Um, we're a pretty easy going, uh, show that just wants to help make travel a little bit better for everybody else out there. Awesome. Steve, always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for discussing Disney cruise line music with me and certainly encourage folks to listen into the DCL podcast and also importantly to plan their first or next Disney cruise line vacation. Thanks again, Steve. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Brad. Thank you. I would bet after listening to that conversation, you are ready to book your next Disney cruise. I know I am, and I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I encourage you to check out the DCL podcast for those wonderful trip reports, as Steve mentioned, as well as insights into all aspects of Disney Cruise Line. And I would also like to provide an addendum because the day after Steve and I recorded, Disney Cruise Line announced that they are starting Pixar Day at Sea on the Disney Fantasy for January, February, and March 2023 for select sailings. And that is actually going to include a Coco production. As it says on the press release, quote, a first of its kind theatrical experience will bring to life the beloved story of Miguel and his family from Coco through live music and puppetry. So consequently, uh, Steve's idea was right on the money, and it sounds like Disney has something very clever and fun up its sleeve. So you'll have to sail on one of those cruises to see what's in store for Coco and friends. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. 
Follow me on Twitter at bnachmanreports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N reports. And be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to notablydisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.